approached the uh, farmer rancher and said, hey, I'm with the FBI and I need to examine your, your property, see if there's any drugs being grown on your property. And the old farmer said, sir, said, you're welcome to, 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 to view my property. However, I wouldn't go into the field by the barn. And the guy got a major attitude, pulled out his badge, says, listen, I'm FBI. This badge entitles me to go wherever I want to go, do whatever I want to do, say whatever I want to say. And the farmer said, okay, you know, do, do what you want. So sure enough, a few minutes later, the farmer hears these blood-curdling screams. I mean, screams of horror, terror, and, and fear, and, 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 and all that. And he looks, and there across the field, he sees this FBI agent running for his life because there is a Holstein bull that's chasing him and realizing the bull is probably going to catch the FBI agent. The farmer jumps up on the fence and says, show him your badge. Show him your badge. Look at somebody and say, me and my big mouth. Me and my big mouth. I know that uh, there are times when I have felt in life, the only reason I open my mouth is to change feet. I don't know if anybody can relate. I'm trying to think of some of the embarrassing some of the embarrassing uh, moments of where I've assumed something or said something, and probably the most embarrassing is when you congratulate a mom on getting ready to give birth to a child only to be told she's not pregnant. That is, that's always can be a little bit embarrassing. I was in Detroit, Michigan at a, uh, a, great, a great, great church ministering, and God was moving in the, in the healing ministry, and people were getting healed, and they were coming down to the front. They were telling me what they needed, and, and we would, we would uh, pray with them. And I remember one woman was brought to the, to the podium area, and uh, the uh, pastor was talking to her. And I thought the pastor told me that uh, she was deaf, and so God was, really moved. God was healing everybody in that service. I said, well, we may as well just believe God to heal her ears. So I put my hand over her ears like Ernest Angeles did and shook her a little bit, slapped her around a little bit. And then I said, say Jesus. And she said, Jesus. And I said, say hallelujah. She said, hallelujah. Well, I'm, I'm getting overwhelmed. I mean, she's healed. God has healed. And I'm like, church, lift your hands. The pastor over here, Hank, Hank, she's blind. <laughs> so there have been... There have been some embarrassing moments, and I don't know what you're most, but that was, and that was tough. The, the anointing went, <laughs> but it is fun sometimes to see how much trouble our mouth can really get us into. I've shared with you the story of Job and Job going through that, that journey of the pain and the hurt and the frustration, not realizing why he was going through that, but it was because God had marked him faithful, and God knew he could endure the test. But I remember in one occasion, Job said twice, have I put my hand over my mouth to refrain from speaking? And I think so many times if we like, I don't know, when, when, when you watch the news and the newscaster is talking, they're reading a little thing called what? Tele, telephone? Tele, teleprompter. You know, I... I, I wonder how hard it would be sometimes if we were to just, before we say a word, just analyze the words that's about to come out of our mouth and determine, are these words life? 
Are these words debt? Are these words going to encourage? Are these words going to hurt? I have, lo- I have learned through the years of ministry that it's not good to share something with somebody that can't help you with your challenge or help you with your problem. I have learned it's always wisdom to share with somebody that can take you to a place of restoration and can take you to a place of, of, of healing. We talked a little bit last week about what God told Joshua that the book of the law should not depart out of his mouth. We talked about positive things being spoken, about choosing the blessing that God has ordained, speaking blessing over your children and things of that nature. And I thought this morning, just for a few minutes, and knowing that we're all going to come back at 6.30 and celebrate, I just had a few thoughts that I wanted to leave with you. And a little, bit, a little of it might be reflective as far as, as turning 60. I remember on my 50th birthday, I preached a sermon entitled 40 and Fabulous. How many can relate? 50 and Reflective. How many can relate? 60 and Senile not knowing that there would come a day when I would reflect about turning 60. But there are, you know, there are some things, you know, the, the age that I am, there are some things I look back. I don't really have a whole lot of uh, bucket lists. There's not really a whole lot of things that I really want to do. There's a lot of things that I've done I like to redo. There's some places I would like to revisit, some things I would like to go through, some things. But then I, in reflection, I've I realized or in my life there's some things that I wish I wouldn't have done. Uh, I, I wish to this day that I had never smoked my first cigarette because that addiction led, to a, led a door wide open to so many addictions, so many things like that. I wish that I would have finished law school. I wish that I had a full ride, and I, I regret now that I did not finish that. But as I look back on most of the decisions I made, most of the decisions I made, I'm happy that God was a part of and God blessed and God healed. As many of you know, I married Rhonda right out of high school. She was Miss Upland. She was homecoming queen. She was a virgin. She turned 18 in May. I married her in August. And then for the next year and a half, struggled with addictions of cocaine and, and different things. And motion of the story, she decided she was not going to live with a drug addict, left California, came to Tennessee, uh, started going to Lee University. God called me to minister. For three years, I ministered as a divorced evangelist. And in that in that three years of, 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 in reflection of three years, there's a lot of things that I wish I had not said being married, a lot of things I had not done being married. And I told the Lord, I said, if you give me another chance, I promise you I'll do a lot better. And as we now celebrate most of the story, she came crawling back and I accepted her and redeemed her and put her back in position of, as the woman of my life. But I look back over the past 30 years, I really... I'm pleased that God brought us back together. And there's been so many great memories and so many great things. And she is a, she's a, as uh, Mac, Mac Davis would say, she's one hell of a woman. I'm so glad that, uh, that uh, she is in my life. In this chapter, the chapter, the sixth chapter of John, I'll give you just a little bit of history. This is the, this is the season in the life of Jesus that it goes from material, carnal, to spiritual and glorious. In this particular season of his life, he's telling them that you're going to have to come to a place in your life where you're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. And of course, we know that's a metaphor for the things that Christ endured, his blood was shed. We understand that was all a type and a shadow. 
But that generation did not understand that. That generation did not grasp that. They did not accept that. And that generation began to badmouth and began to talk behind the back of Jesus. They began to murmur and they began to complain. And in that murmuring and complaining, I'm reminded, and in this chapter, he will refer to Moses bringing the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt into the land of promise. And most of you know the story. For 40 years, they murmured, they complained, they fussed, they griped. They had an attitude about everything, even the miracles they took for granted. And, and, and in all the things that God did for them, they felt like that they really didn't get what they thought they should have got. And, you know, that entire generation, all those moms and dads died off with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. So in this chapter, Jesus refers to the, the people coming out of the land of bondage. But notice, if you will, verse John 6, verse 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Murmur not among yourselves. In my relationship with life, in my relationship with God, I've realized that God loves the alcoholic. God loves the drug addict. God loves the gender challenged. God loves, God, God loves those. But there are things that God hates. And some of the things that God hates is a brother swift to sow discord or disharmony. And God hates pride, obviously, a lying tongue, a false witness, a proud, a proud look. There are things that God hates. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus brings to the attention of those listening, complaining, being negative, being critical, accomplishes absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And we have learned, and some, some just a few one-liners I wanted to share with you that I, I share quite often. One of the first one-liners I want to share with you is this statement. Show me your vision, and I will show you your future. We're going to look this morning at the power of the tongue and the reflective, how such something so small can be so powerful. But there is a generation, I believe, upon this earth today that has lost its vision, it's lost its drive, it's lost its energy. I almost refer to it as a welfare generation. We are obviously now a part of a system that the government is, is giving assistance to, not, not just those that need it, but those that take advantage of that. And this, this, this generation, probably Courtney's generation, that age group from 18 to 28, this generation seems to have lost its ability to create, has lost its ability to inspire, has lost its ability to do, to do really anything phenomenal or incredible. Nothing really cool has happened the past 10 years in, in the area of inventing and things of that nature. And I believe that God would like to wake up this generation. And I believe that God would like to restore this generation and if God wants to use older people, notice I did that, older people like me to help this generation wake up, I certainly want to be a part of that. In the story of the ten virgins, they were all virgins. But in that story, there were five virgins that were looking forward to, to God performing his word. And then half of those virgins had come to a place where they, they lost the vision that they had cast. They lost the emphasis they had in life. So remind, so remind us today, we can be good, we can be healthy, we can be whole, but without a vision, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, without a vision, the people 
perish. And maybe some things I'll share this morning will help you stir up your vision just a little bit. The second thing that I'd like to bring to your attention as I look at my notes is simply this. We can never start all over, but we can start again. Nicodemus asked Jesus, do I go back into my mother's womb to be born again? And Jesus said, no. Where you're at right now has to do with your confession on the fact that I am the Christ and no man comes to the Father except but by me. That is uh, interesting that I just jotted that down yesterday to share with you again. We can't start all over, but we can start again. I think some of the challenges with our New Year's resolution is that we declare that we're going to do something so incredible and something so phenomenal, and then as you get into the second or third week of January, you realize, you ain't no way you're going to accomplish this. This is not going to happen in 2014. Do I have a friend in the house can relate to New Year's? I mean, we'll, we'll make statements like, well, I'm going to learn Greek this year, or I'm, you know, I'm, going, to, I'm going to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners. And in other words, it's like, it's like sometimes the things that we, sp- we speak are not reachable, and it's discouraging. One of my favorite movies probably is Mel Gibson and the Patriot, and I like the part of the movie where his son was captured by the Redcoats, and they were heading to assassinate his son, and he got his little six-year-old daughter and his seven-year-old son, and they set up an ambush, and right before they ambushed the Redcoats, Mel looked at his children and said, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. And Hot Rod, I have learned that the smaller goals I have in life are easier to accomplish than the larger goals that I have in life. And so this morning, in in an area of reflection, maybe we just look at some scriptures. I want you to know today that the power of words can be creative or the power of words can be destructive. And those of you that know me, you've heard the illustration of you pull up to a Wendy's and you order a Wendy's and you tell them exactly what you want. Actually, you got to learn how to speak Wendy's language. How many knows how to speak Wendy's language? Okay, you're looking at this little box. You can't see anybody and you wonder, how do they get that little person in that little box? How did that person get in that box? And that little person says, hello, welcome. Can I have your or or, please? And we say, yes, we want three and two and a large. And then we drive up to the window And if they missed it, if they didn't get the straw, if they didn't get the cheese, if they didn't do it right, we have a major attitude. How dare them? I told them, or we'll get all the way back to, we got all the way back to the house and they forgot to put the dressing in the salad. And you know, the the salad is worthless if you don't have the dressing. And, And it's like, we'll get an attitude. Well, how in the world could they not get it right? I told, hello. I told them what I wanted. I told you so. I told you. And that's what, what we realize is that sometime in your life, there's always going to be seasons of you feel like you, you said you wanted one thing, somebody misunderstood, and you got the other. Anybody, anybody relate to, to what I'm saying there? I want to give you a scripture. The scripture I want to give you is found in James 1 and 26. I didn't know if the guys were able, able to... Get my scriptures for me this morning. Good. I haven't got my video ready. Okay, this morning as we reflect upon the thought of aim small, miss small, I reflect upon the area of maybe going into an area of life that you've not been, that you need to go, and some things you need to do 
and there are some baby steps. Look at somebody and say, baby steps that you need to take. And uh, also, if you will help us with the baby steps. Actually, Josh is going to help us with the lights. cool is that I don't know how many of you remember you probably don't remember your first step you're probably too young to remember it but eventually you got to a place and I believe that our babies Elisha and Marcus and our other babies will probably never learn how to walk because we carry them everywhere they go because we love them so much we we want to see them grow we want to see them mature this morning if you got something to write with Pastor Ron has got a notepad out there are some things that I want to leave with you in some areas of life that have helped me concerning goal setting. The Apostle Paul said this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth and those things which are before, I press towards the mark, the prize, the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. So as we reflect in some areas that we'd like to see some areas of our life change, and just for a minute, just would you just ponder with me just for a minute, what are some areas in your life that you would like to see some things stop? What are some areas in your life you'd like to see things start? Some areas in your life you'd like to see God finish? I know if you're Chris Vernon, you probably would have wished that your hair would stop falling out. Obviously, it's too late for him, but he looks good like that. Hello? I told my best friend, Eddie, if I'd have known you was going to look that good, I'd had you shave your head when you were 12. But as we, and I realize we're not in the month of January, and I realize this is not a New, a New Year's Eve goal but there are, there are some things that I would like to see happen in my life, in the next decade of my life. There's some areas of my life that I would like to pursue. And I'm going to keep them personal and confidential. But you've got your own personal and confidential things you would like to see happen. Ten steps towards setting goals. And this is going to be a very brief message, I promise you. I'll talk, I'll talk quicker than you can type, Pastor Todd. When you decide that you're tired of being where you're at and you want to go to a new place and you're ready to start don't need takers in here I got got one two how many takers there's some things I would like to see God do different there's some areas in my life I like to see growth there's some things in my life I would like to see happen and I need a plan to get to where I'm going look at someone and say to be something you've never been you have to do something you've never done. And the first thing that I would encourage you to do, the first thing on your list, when you make in your mind of mind, your heart of hearts, that you want to bring change in your life, the first thing that I would do, duh, 
would be to pray about it. Now, is that, is that kind of a, no, a no-brainer? The Word says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I think that when God places in our heart or mind a challenge or an area that we would like to see us go in or some areas that we think that we could do well in and we're kind of being stirred and maybe we're being pushed out of that nest. See, if the baby eaglet doesn't learn how to fly, it will not survive. The rattlesnake is the enemy of the baby eaglet. And if that eaglet does not get out of that nest and fly, that rattlesnake will invade that nest when mom and dad is away hunting and that little baby will not survive. And I believe there's greatness in every one of you. I really believe that. Look at somebody and say, I believe there's greatness in you. And I don't, I don't know that you're aware of what that greatness is or how great that great is. But look at somebody and say, you are all that and a bag of chips and some salsa. Even throw some salt in there. Look at somebody and say, God's got great things for you. Are you ready to take the plunge? Okay, those who are ready, I want you to stand because we've got some ice buckets in the lobby. And we're going to go ahead and we're just going to initiate that. The second thing, after you begin to pray, and, and um, let, me just, let me just help you here. I'm, I am in the place where I feel like it's time for me to write the book on the eagle. I feel like it, I, I feel like that I've shared it enough. I feel like I've had, thank you, I've had different ones threaten me that if I didn't write the book, they would write the book. Uh, Perry Stone and Marcus have both threatened me that if I don't write it, somebody would grab a hold of it. So let's let this be my, let's let this be my, my goal, my desire. And so obviously, before I write this book, I want to pray about it because I want to make sure that I say not necessarily nice, fancy words, but I say something that will impact the reader, something that will change the life of the reader. And when you learn about the tenacity of the eagle and the, and the attitude of the eagle and the, and the effects of the eagle, you realize there's a lot of good stuff in there that you can share. So after I get done praying about it, the second thing I need to do is to check my motives. Why am I wanting to write this book? And want to write this book so I can show up on Oprah? And we're write this book so I can say that my book was on the best-selling list? Or what, what is the purpose of this book? If I'm going to take a chunk of my life and I'm going to sequester myself and God has provided three or four pretty cool places that I can actually go, be alone, no, no noise, no nothing, and I can think and I can ponder and I can fish. I always feel better. Wendy Wright will always feel better. God gives me great thoughts when we're fishing. But why do, I, why do I want to see this goal accomplished? Because hopefully it will help somebody that needs to know some of the things I've gone through, they've gone through. Everyone in this place has a testimony. Everyone in this place has a story. He's the author and he's the finisher of your life. And your story is just as important as my story. Your story might be more important than my story because you may have been brought out of a place that I cannot relate to, but there are people in your life that you can relate to and you say, let me tell you what God did for me. So what is my motive in pursuing this goal? The third thing that I would like to talk about this goal is the ability to categorize the priorities in your life. And I made a, a, small, a small list here of some areas that I would like to see God change in me in, in this journey that I'm on. Is anybody on the journey with me? Some things I would like to see happen. I'm going to start carnally first, and I'll go spiritual. Some things I would like to see happen physically. I'm at the age now where I realize I'm probably not going to get another body. 
hello. I mean, I'm, I saw Jennifer uh, was it Garner on, on uh, uh, Kathy and Rhoda, and they were asked, was it Kathy and Rhoda? And uh, Hoda, 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 oh yeah, her cousin Hoda was there too. And uh, she was talking about her baby bump. And someone said, you have a baby bump. And she said, yes, I have a baby bump. Everybody's here, she says, but I'm not pregnant. She said, after birthing three children, I got a little bump there and it's gonna stay. And I'm just gonna tell you, that's, go ahead. It's okay, it's okay to have a, a baby bump. <laughs> so, so I'm at a place right now especially last night. I'm not sure what went on in the basement, but I got up, got my pistol out, and got ready to walk down the steps, and Pastor Ron said, no, 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 everything's okay, just go back to bed. So this morning when I went to bed, this morning when I got out of bed, I kind of rolled, kind of, you know, kind of rolled out of the bed and went to walk, if you've been in my house, go to the steps, and I like to never made the steps. I mean, I'm thinking, we need a handrail. We need an escalator. I need... <laughs> I need something, and I'm 60. How in the where am I? If I'm like this hot rod when I'm 60, what in the world am I going to be doing when I'm 80? So there are some there are some things in my life right now. I want to eat better. I want to I want to do the right vitamins. I don't want to drink stuff that's hurting me. I love Red Bull, but I've I've heard that bad things can happen with the Red Bull. I haven't. I don't think I've had a Coke in a year. I'm not really a big. Coke or Dr. Pepper drinker, but I want this body to stay around for a while. I don't want to be 80 and confined to a wheelchair. Hello, I want to have the same energy when I'm like, like, like uh, Caleb. I'm 80. I was 40. I feel as good today as I did when I was 40. Give me my mountain. So there's some areas in my life that I would like to change some of my eating habits. And I did real good. Uh, Hot Rod and Tony took me out to lunch and I, I did great. I didn't get the fried stuff. I didn't, but I messed up and got the strawberry cobbler, and it was strawberry cobbler to die, and the ice cream. I had to have a couple of scoops of ice cream on top. So there's some areas in my life that physically I would like to do better. The second category is obviously the area of spiritual. There, there, I would like to grow closer to the Lord. I would, like to, I would like to hear his voice more often. I would like to know that I'm in the perfect center of his will, and everywhere I go, my steps are ordered, orchestrated, and ordained by the Lord, that he sings over me when I go to do what he wants me to do. I don't want to get on a sidetrack. I don't want to build something I'm not supposed to build. I don't want to say something I'm not supposed to say, but I want to speak what he has me to say, and I want to expect it to change the lives of many. The third thing that I would like to work on is my marriage. I don't know if uh, you saw my Facebook post about four days ago, but it was a gentleman sitting at a desk and there was a book, I'm not exaggerating, that was this tall. It was that tall. And this guy had opened like the first, he was looking at it and it was the update, it was the update how to understand a woman, how to understand <laughs> your wife. Because I promise you, about the time you get them figured out and about the time you think you know, all of a sudden they change the rules and they do not give you an upgrade. There's nothing you can, there's no computer thing you can read. There's no, you just gotta, you gotta follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I want, I want my marriage 10 years from now to be just as healthy as it was 10 years ago. And I wanna see, I wanna see our relationship in, increase. The second, th the fourth thing that I'd like to do is I would like to be a better father. I would like to. I would like to be a better light, a better standard for my kids. I think I've raised two very healthy girls, and they both love the Lord, and and they're 
and they, they seem to be happy, and they seem to be everything okay. But I don't want to do something as a dad that would distract them from being what God wants them to be. I don't want to say a word or, or do anything. And my greatest goal, I've told you several times, is stand before God for all my kids to be standing with me and for them to be there because I lived a life that they were jealous of. I, I, I served a God that they wanted in their life, and they followed me as I follow Christ. Look at somebody say, follow me as I follow Christ. The next area of my life that I would like to talk about is the financial area of my life. Uh, from the age of 50, we have not had a house payment. All of our toys, all of our vehicles, all that stuff was, 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 was paid off. But as I look back at some of the decisions I made earlier in life concerning money, I realize there's some, there some areas in my financial status I should have done differently. And now for me to go the next however many years that the Lord tarries or how long I, I dwell upon this earth, i got to make plans to have finances support, support my family for the rest of their life. So there's some areas there. So when I talk about priorities, it's okay to categorize your priority. I believe you seek first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added unto you. So we've got God. We've got his physical, our marriage. We've got our children. And the last area is emotional. Is emotional. Uh, I would really like to make sure that in my pursuit of the things of God, that emotionally I'm sound, that mostly I'm sane. Running through the house last night with my boxers with a loaded pistol, probably emotionally wasn't all of that. I don't know where I was. I was in La La Land, and I just watched two episodes of Jack Bauer, and I am a CTU agent on the side. And what is so scary is that my phone, it rings a CTU. So last night I was watching CTU, and, and it rang, and I thought it was my phone. I couldn't find my phone. I was so walking through the house trying to find, never did find my phone. Anyway, long, long, long story short, I hope that I am healthy and whole, and I have the right mind when I turn 80. Do I have a friend in the house that would agree? Okay, the, the, in this area of goals, the third area that I want you to focus on is to be specific. Be specific. Prayers like, oh, God, save the world. <laughs> or every time a girl wins a pageant, she wants world peace. <laughs> I mean, I think that bold general statements, I think they're okay. But I think that when you come to God, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That when we come to God, we tell God exactly what we need and what we want. And then we let God work all that out. I believe, and if I'm preaching to the right congregation, I believe there are many in this house you have not because you ask not. And when you talk about divine favor and you talk about divine blessing, God has a plethora of things for you, but I believe a lot of times we don't show up at the right place expecting the right thing, speaking the right thing. I think that you've got to be specific when you ask God to change areas of your life and, and, and to write it down. I may as well go into the next option is to write things down, write things down. A little statement from a, a guy that wrote Circle Maker. He made this statement. The shortest pencil is longer than your longest memory. And there have been so many times, Gerald, I would be either, either laying in bed or at the airport or somewhere, and God would give me a thought or a process or some notes, and I'm thinking, man, that is really, really, or I'll be listening to someone, I'll be thinking, man, that is really, really good. But if I don't write it down, if I don't journal it, the next day, hello, I can't remember where I left my you know, my, my, my shoes from the day before. How in the world am I going to remember tomorrow something God gave me yesterday? And, and I appreciate those that have their little 
pad things, you know, that they're doing their, their scriptures and writing the notes down because no one knows whether they're watching something on Netflix or if they're really taking the notes of this sermon. But look at somebody and say, God knows. God knows. The, the sixth thing I want to talk about your goal is to involve others in the journey that can help you. As I look at life, I realize there are three categories of people in my life that are important to me. The first category of people in my life are my mentors. Becky, I believe that every person needs a Paul in their life. I believe every person needs someone in their life they have more confidence in than they do themselves, and they know that that mentor does not have a hidden agenda. The Apostle Paul said, you have thousands of instructors, and I believe there are over 2,100 copies of books right now in one of my libraries, and most of those are how-to books, how to stay out of debt, how to be a better husband, how to golf left-handed. I mean, I mean but, but the, the Bible says you've got thousands of instructors, but not many fathers. We really need spiritual authority in our life that we have confidence in that we can go to, bounce things off, and expect them to be candid, loyal, and honest. The second person that you need in your life is a Silas. Paul and Silas walk hand in hand, side by side. You need, you need a person in life that you can share things with, you can pray about things with. They're not above you, they're not below you, but they're walking side by side with you. They're walking in agreement and I think it's healthy when we have the ability to bounce off things to others and get their feedback, especially if we trust them and love them. Do I have a friend? And that, that could be a marriage. That could be a best friend. That could be. And then I believe that everybody, Kelly, needs a Timothy. I believe that to, to whom much is given, much is required. I think there should be someone in your life that you're speaking into, that you're encouraging, that you're, you're blessing. And it's okay to involve others in this journey. I, when this Sunday night that I committed my heart to the Lord and I, and I went back to the house and all the guys were there partying and, and I told them, I said, listen, I've given my heart to God. I don't want any more drugs in my, my house. I don't want any alcohol. And I left them there at the living room table, big glass piece of petrified wood. They had a, about a quarter ounce of Coke and they were chopping. And I went to every room in my house, Michelle, and I said, I plead the blood of Jesus room to be no more drugs, no more suicide, no more, none, none of that. By the time I got back to the living room, my friends were gone, my Coke was gone, my hash was gone, my wine was gone, my roast clips, my bong, my pornography. They took everything. They really took me serious when I said, I'm going to serve God and I don't want drugs anymore. Got on the phone Monday, called three of my very good, what I thought they were good friends, uh, uh, Justin, but I realized that, you know, when you stop doing drugs, you kind of lose that friendship. The only thing you had it right, I mean, your beer drinking buddy is like, you have absolutely nothing. Why did he even like you? Why did he even, hello, why did I talk, why did I tattoo your name on my shoulder? What was I, what was I, <laughs> what was I thinking? But there are, there are those in your life. Listen, you never confess your sins one to another, but it's okay to confess your faults. And to confess your faults, you might say to your wife, baby, I really need to back off those, those honey buns. I really need to back off the brownies. If you wouldn't buy those big sugar cookies, you know. And that's, that's involving someone else that's going to help you in this journey that you're on. The next thing that I need you to document with me is that there are reasons in your life to celebrate. There are, there are when you have a goal and you've accomplished a little bit of that 
goal, you need to reward yourself. I don't know if you need to reward yourself with chocolate or, 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 or Aubrey's or whatever, but when you, do, when, you, when you set your mind to do something and you do it and you make that particular goal, I remember one of the main um, challenges I ran varsity track two years at a full ride at UCLA. I did not want to run 8 to 15 miles four years of college. That's not what I wanted to do. But in my junior year of running track, the challenge with the mile is that five-minute that five minute marker. I mean, a five-minute mile was fast. It, it won some track meets, but it didn't win all the track meets. And so I started realizing if I'm going to win this thing, I'm going to have to break that five-minute barrier. And so what I did, instead of focusing on the five minutes, I focused on the 440. And the 440 is one time around. The mile is four times around. I said, if I can get my time under 70 seconds for three laps, then I, then I can break this barrier. And then when I went to perform the very last track meet of our, of our in senior in high school, the very last track meet, I told myself, listen, it's only four, four minutes and 40 seconds of hell. It's only going to last for four. Hello. I mean, what I'm doing right now, I mean, five minutes from now, it'll be over. And then there was Ramona Hendricks to factor in. Ramona Hendricks was the head cheerleader. She went on to be homecoming queen. She was drop-dead gorgeous. And, uh, and she would always come to track meets, and she would always call me Henry. She go, Henry, go. And just to hear Mona's voice, I mean, it just inspired me on to greatness. And, and uh, later, freshman college, I came back and spent some time with Mona. It was not. She was definitely blonde, and that we'll just leave it. We'll leave it there at that. But there were, but there were, there, the, the, I guess, I guess the point that I, what was the point that I was making? It was a good one. <laughs> About celebrate, celebrate those accomplishments. Yes. I ran the mile relay. I was the guy that got the baton at the end. Never be the guy at the end. Never. The private school, we didn't have hundreds of kids to choose from. There's about 15 on the track meet. And it seemed like every time I got the baton, I was looking at somebody's jersey. But beyond the jersey was Mona Hendricks. And when I saw that, Mona Hendricks cheering me on, man, I got with God. And finally, when I got it down to 70 seconds, I ran a 440 mile. In, in, and it was a league record. Now, the league is dead. It's gone. So I literally set a record that's never been broken. How about that? But you celebrate those. You celebrate those small, those small accomplishments in your life. The eighth thing that you need to do in your goal setting is to dream big. Dream big. Have awesome dreams. Dreams go, go, go beyond the norm. Go, go, go beyond the safe. Get to a place in your life where you say, you know what? This is what I want to see happen in my life, and I'm going to pursue this, and this is what I'm after. And when you dream big, you also need to think long. When you begin to pursue something that you're wanting to do, you focus on it, study it, think about it. I remember mentally, if you've ever been in a gym surrounded by a bunch of sweaty guys that are, that are working out, there are two types of, of gymnasts in the gym. There is the bodybuilder, and then there's the strength com competitor. Well, I didn't want to compete. I just wanted to build for body. And I remember an area that was real tough was the 300 bench press because we didn't jerk it or bounce it. We took the bar, laid it on our chest, and pressed it. And I could bench press 270. I could bench press 280. But I went to push the 300 on. I could not get that 300. So one day... And one of the guys was Mr. Mike McLennan. He was Teenage America, went on to be Mr. California, Mr. Goal. I kind of lost track of him in the past 20 years. But as I was getting ready to do that 300, he was in my face, I mean, screaming at me. I mean, screaming at me. Come on, your, your mama can 
bench press more than this. Your grandma can bench press more than this. You can do this. You're a whiner. You're, you're a whiny, but you're a, and you know what? Screaming in my face. I don't know, it, but it motivated me. Can anybody relate? It motiv- I said, if I think about this long enough, I can do it. I told you last week, I went and bought the T-shirt. I bench pressed 300 pounds because if you wear the shirt, then you got to do it. And so it motivated me. So then when I did bench 300 pounds, I got another T-shirt that said I can bench 400 pounds. Well, I never got to 400 pounds. I lost a T-shirt. But it, <laughs> if, if, it, listen, if you think about something long enough, you can do it. For as he thinketh Amen. in his heart, see, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And the last thing that I want to leave with you, we began with prayer. We end with pray hard. Pray hard. God, is this really, is this, is this really what you're wanting me to do? Is this really where you want me to go? When Elijah found himself under the shade of the gourd, eating from the, the feeding of a raven by a brook, God told him to do something. And you know the story. Elijah pursued God. God was not in the thunder. He was not in the lightning. He was not in the wind. But in a still, small voice, God gave his approval. And that's what we look for today. Okay, so here we are. It's one minute before 12. And I wanted to share with you uh, 10 things. And these really aren't bucket list, Chris. These are just things that I would like to see happen before my 80th birthday. Okay, are you ready? Okay, the first thing that I would like to do is to celebrate my 80th birthday Alzheimer free. My grandmother died of Alzheimer. My dad seems to have a, he's 83, his mind sharp as a tech. But I don't, I don't, listen, and let me say this publicly. If you're going to, if, if you're, no, I won't, I won't say that publicly. Never, never mind. I want, I, want to, I want to hit the age of 80 and not have Alzheimer's. The second thing I want to do is celebrate my 50th wedding ver- anniversary with the same wife. Yes. Is that not a good goal? Yes. The third thing that I would like to do is take my children on a missions trip to Haiti. I invested a lot of my life there. I'd like for them to go. The fourth thing I would like to do is to pay for my grandchildren's college. I thought that would be a good thing. The fifth, the fifth thing I would like to do is to dedicate my great-grandchildren to the Lord and actually be able to hold them when I dedicate them. <laughs> and and the, the sixth thing, at retirement, I would like to live on 10% of my income and give 90% of my income to the church. I would like to do that. My eighth, my eighth goal, I'd like to write a book on the eagle. And my ninth goal, I would like to revisit Alaska, Hawaii, Paris, London, Bahamas with my children and my grandchildren. Is that not a great, would that not be a great? And then, tenthly, I would like to give my children their inheritance now at an age where they can enjoy it and invest wisely. Was that a good, my kids are gone. They didn't get to hear the things that I was project, projecting for them. The reason being, the Bible says a good man leaveth his inheritance to his children's children. Love my parents to death. My parents are probably worth about a half a million dollars. They've got some stock. They've got some investments. But if my parents were to die tomorrow and leave me $250,000, I'm too old to go back to school. Well, I'm not too old. I'm just too, tenacious, too stubborn to go back. In other words, there's really nothing their money would do that would change me. I might buy a new house, a new car, but get my drift. I want to give my money to my kids at an age where they're able to make some decisions in their life. So I'll leave that with you. Matthew 7 and 7, three levels of pursuing your goals. Ask and it shall be given. Seeking you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. We are to daily ask for our daily bread. We're to daily 
declare forgiveness over those that have hurt us and wronged us, and we're to daily give honor to God who's on the throne, his kingdom, that there should be no end. Did you enjoy that today? Well, that's what you get for my 60th. Thank you. Wasn't that cool? Show them your badge. Oh, we'll give you a chance. You have a chance to sow in the kingdom if you need an offering envelope to determine your seed. We, we believe that God said he will bless us in tithe and an offering. And God is so faithful to, to do some incredible things. And we love him for everything he's done. Pastor Rhonda has already blessed you. So this morning I just want you to make sure before you leave we have three or four guests with us this morning. First time they're guests, second time they're family. Pastor Todd, if you'll make sure my... My friends on the back row, get that uh, Power of the Blood DVD and uh, bless them with that. And uh, Miss Brenda's sister, we're so glad you came today. Are you a Cleveland girl? From where? Oh, yeah. Well, Pastor Ron was just in Danville preaching there, so the gospel is headed that way. Is headed, is headed that way. We're so glad. And we love your family. We love Brenda and Larry and all the kids. They're such a blessing and all the grandkids. Hug a 